Hello everyone and welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, an entertaining fresh take on the three-time NBA champs, the Detroit Pistons. Hey Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Motor City Hoops. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Cavalier Central, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Nuck If You Buck, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, and At The Buzzer. Plus our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Motor City Hoop Show. Today we will start off by bringing you a recap of last this past week's games. Two losses to the Knicks and an exciting win over the Raptors. During the 3-1-3 All Things Pistons segment, we will talk about the big news of the week, Blake Griffin being bought out, and also dive into how many years this rebuild will take. And to cap the show off, we will go around the NBA, talking about some halfway of the season's surprise and disappointments, and our thoughts on the All-Star Weekend. Um, but before we get started on our recap, do not turn the podcast off. I know this is a different voice than you're used to hearing to start the show, but you are in the right place. Uh, Vlad got a big win today in the Romanian Cup semifinal. Is that right, Alex? Semifinal right. game? Yep. Yeah. And so he will not be able to record with us. He's playing a championship game here in a couple days. So it'll just be Alex and I. And, and those of you that have been with us the past uh, few weeks, Alex hasn't been able to record with us because he's been playing with the Romanian national team traveling around. So before we get started, Alex, why don't you give the listeners a little idea what you've been doing with the team? Yeah, well, first of all, I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to record with you guys and catch up on a lot of stuff. I, I keep track of everything and I listen to you guys every <laughs> week. And, uh, you know, I'm just happy to be back. It's good um, to have you back. But, yeah, the last couple of weeks I've been playing for the national team in the uh, Eurobasket no, Euro qualifiers. Um, we had some tough games against Israel and Poland. We were in a group with Israel, Poland, and Spain, and you know these teams are top of the the top teams in in in, in Europe. Um, unfortunately, we didn't win any games, uh, but you know we're a young group and uh, we show some promise playing against you know these two teams, and we could have won probably both if we you know we did not miss a couple of plays here and there. But it was a good learning curve for our group, 
and we look to improve and get back to it uh, next summer when we play in uh, pre-qualifiers for the World Cup. Awesome. That's I just I think it's really cool for our listeners to know. I, I, you know, I'm a you know we're all former Division One basketball players. You at Northwestern, me and Vlad at American. I'm a current high school basketball coach. Our season ended actually last night. Um, and you and Vlad are playing overseas. So I just think it's cool that, that our listeners, you know, get to know some of that. But let's, let's dive into the Pistons now. Um, started off the week with a tough loss to the Knicks, 90 to 109. Um, Wayne Ellington not play in this game. Uh, Svi Mikhailuk got the start. Low scoring first quarter, as you might expect, against a Knicks team that is one of the best, if not the best defensive team in the league at 37 first half points. And it just, I don't know what you thought, Alex, but to me, it was a frustrating game to watch. We just didn't look like we could get anything going. Exactly. It was a first, first half was really bad for us. We struggled shooting the whole game. Uh, you know, we shot 38% from the field goal. And I think, <laughs> and I think one of the main reasons this happened was because, you know, the Knicks were already defensively with Derrick Rose making the scouting <laughs> very easy for the Knicks. He, he, they, they knew what to expect, right? He gave up all the plays and all the weak points on our team and, you know, they exploited it. And I think, <laughs> I think that, that made it easy for them. But no, we struggled. We struggled a lot and it was frustrating to watch. Uh, and, you know, for me, the only positive thing was Ellington. He shot the ball really well and he played, he had a great game. Yeah, it was good to see him. So I shouldn't say I, I may have misspoke. I, Ellington didn't not play. He just didn't start. So Mikhail yeah. Luke started in his place, but it was good to see Ellington get some of that shooting uh, touch back and that'll continue into the next game when we get there in a second. But one thing I took away from this game, Alex, was I feel like we're just right now this team is at the mercy of our opponents defensively. If our opponents are really good defensively, if they're really good forcing turnovers, then we turn the ball over against them. If they're really good, and I know that sounds simple, but really good teams or good teams are able to score the ball or, or do whatever they do well, no matter who the opponent is. And right now it just doesn't, you know, we're obviously not there. Um, it, it just seems like if, if we play a really good defensive team, we're going to struggle to score. If we play a really bad defensive team, then we may, you know, see a little bit of an outburst. Exactly. And the thing is, all, almost all of our turnovers are easy points in transition uh, every team seems to score really easy off that it's not just we turn the ball over but we turn the ball over in a, such a way that the team the other teams goes for a layup or you know a three-pointer at the end at the other end and that's frustrating and most of that comes from you know maybe some lack of attention or uh, you know just guys trying too much yeah and that's so as a coach, we call those live ball turnovers, you know, yeah. like live ball versus dead ball turnovers. So live ball is obviously, you know, it doesn't go out of bounds. You don't travel. It's, it's not a stoppage in play where you can get your defensive def, defense set. So those live ball turnovers you're talking about end up with points on the other end for the other team. And those are really, really deflating for you. One other quick takeaway for me, and I don't want to get too much into this because I think you're going to talk about this team a little later in the show during our around the NBA. But the Knicks trading for Derrick Rose made a little more sense to me after seeing them play. They're a little closer to competing than what I thought, Alex. I like that squad. Julius Randle is, was incredible. He's tough, man. He's really good. And so it makes a little more sense that they wanted to go get Derrick Rose and bring in a guy that could contribute and maybe... I'm not saying they're going to like win the Eastern Conference, but the, nobody's going to want to play them first round for sure. 
Exactly. They, yeah, we're going to talk about this uh, later in the show. But, <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. You know, a yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, the Knicks are playing really good and Randall is carrying the team and he's been doing it night in and night out. He's, he has been so consistent on his numbers. And, you know, Vlad had him as an early MVP. He did. Uh, and and we laughed at him, Alex. We thought it was, we thought it was, a, we clowned him. Exactly. But, you know, he, he's carrying, I think without him, the Knicks will be the bottom of the league. <laughs> yeah. But, for sure. yeah, he, they're playing great. And, uh, you know, yeah, this trade made sense. They need a guard like Derrick Rose to, you know, make some plays here and there. Um, and he's going to help them for sure. Maybe not win the, like you said, not win the Eastern Conference, but get up there for sure. Yep. And so you mentioned consistency with the uh, the Knicks. One thing that I'll say is inconsistent um, is the Pistons. And we showed that with the next game, which was 129 to 105 win over the Toronto Raptors. And this game was moved back, back a day because of COVID with the Raptors, but we still got to play it the next day. No Jeremy Grant, no Josh Jackson. And so, of course, the Pistons go and have an offensive outburst, Alex. You know, they hit five threes to start the game, nine total in the first quarter, which was the most in 25 years, 69 points in the first half, 24 assists on 26 made shots. Like, it was just insane. 40-plus assists were the most since 2008. Uh, Saban Lee and Rodney Magruder combined for 40 points off the bench. Like, it was just, it was so much fun to watch, and it's without our two leading scorers. Exactly. Like, how does that happen? You know, some of the time, <laughs> some of the time when your best player is missing, the other guys step up and the team yeah. usually, you know, as a whole steps up because they have, they have, they think they have to, you know, play better, play harder and stuff like that. And, you know, they did all of that, especially in the first half. In the first quarter, we scored 43 points. <laughs> 43. You know, that's insane. That's absolutely insane. And, you know, another stat you said, we had 39 assists on 48 field goals. That's insane. And that's, that's the team play. And, you know, sometimes if, if you have your best player on the floor, they need to take their shots or whatever. And, you know, without having that, the team shared the ball more you know, with Smith having a triple double, Plumlee almost having a triple double, Ellington getting wide open shots and knocking them down, you know, and Lee and McCritter also had 40, 40 points together. That was all-around domination from the uh, Knicks against a good team of Toronto. Well, not that good of a team as I expected, but still good, not not the best. So, yeah, so you mentioned Smith and Plumlee did have a triple double. So this they they actually became second time in Pistons history that the teammates um, had a triple double in the same game. So Dennis Smith Jr., Mason Plumlee. So Plumlee gets his second triple double of the year. I don't know. Thank God Vlad's not here, Alex, because because oh, he yeah. would be all he would be all over me right now because of my Mason Plumlee hate. Um, <laughs> but it so there was the thirteenth time in NBA history that teammates have gone for a triple double, and I say the second time in Pistons history. Like the 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 stats across the vo- the the board, Alex, were just incredible. What what. You know, Svi had 17. Ellington had 25. The only guy that didn't really play well was, you know, honestly, Sadiq Bey. We almost shot 50% from three. It was just, it was fun to watch. You bring up a good point, you know, whenever your stars are out. I think it shows how talented NBA players are, Alex. You know, like, we have this many guys. We have our two best guys out. Blake Griffin's not playing. We'll get to that more in a little bit. And 
DeLon Wright's not playing, and we still have a squad that's able to go score 129. And, you know, these are exactly. young guys. That, that just are. tells you the talent. Exactly, they are. And it shows the, the potential of the team as well. Uh, being able to do this without your star players or your leaders, you know, being so young and hungry to play good and help a team win, it was absolutely beautiful to watch. Absolutely. It, it, it was so much fun to watch. It was the funnest game of the year because you know what it was? It was it was two halves finally put together. Obviously, the second half wasn't quite as explosive of the, as the first half, but they still scored 60 points in the second half. And we just hadn't seen that from this them this year. It, it had become we talked about the consistency or inconsistency. Exactly. You know, we we usually if we had a good first half, you just knew the second half wasn't going to go well, or we'd get a lead and then we'd blow it in the fourth quarter. And it was just nice to see, you know, a four quarters of really really fun, exciting basketball. You know, and yeah. do, go ahead, go ahead, Alex. Yeah, or you know, the consistency stuff. We usually have first. Uh, we had first really bad first quarters and now we have just an amazing first quarter so (laughs) you know just being inconsistent is is frustrating and you know you don't know what to expect the next game uh hopefully it's going to be the same but it it, it, this this game was one of those games where you know it seemed like everything clicked and teams have this during the season but it's really hard to keep playing like this it is, and and the result of the next game um, brought us right back down to earth. So we'll, you know, the second, <laughs> the last game of the week, um, it was a back to back. We we met with the Knicks again, and we lost one hundred four to one fourteen. Um, Jeremy Grant was still out; he's nursing a little injury. It made sense for him not to play in these two games with the All Star break coming up. And Josh Jackson uh, was out again with a sickness. And this day and age, you have to emphasize it was not COVID related, or at least not that we know of. Um, but we played without those two guys as well. So Svi continued to start, start along with Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, Wayne Ellington, Sadiq Bay, you know, started at the four and then Plumley. And again, it we just struggled to score. You know, Isaiah Stewart was the leading scorer in the first half. We shoot 25% from three. And so it just, it goes back to in the first half, 25% from three in the first half. Yeah. This game was the same way to me. You know, in the first game, it was the Pistons' inability to score. This one, I didn't think we score, and we didn't defend very well either. Exactly, exactly. We gave up points. Um, you know, Randall again dominated us. Um, on he the did. plus side, Plumley again, uh, again, he had a great game. <laughs> so I think Vlad will, will remember this and get back to you soon. <laughs> I, I hope Vlad doesn't listen to this episode or check back to the scores or anything. Maybe by the time we record the next one, you know, we'll have a, the all-star game and stuff like that and some different things we can talk about. So he doesn't, have, he doesn't remember this. Yeah. Uh, but you know everybody else uh, on the team had an okay game. Just defensively, defensively we did not play well. You know only Lee had five points. All the other guys had double digits. Yeah, I mean if there's one thing that has been consistent, you know, as we as so far the the word of the show has been, and not on purpose, but just as these things happen organically, has been consistent or inconsistent. You know that bench scoring has been pretty consistent for this team, and. You know, that's exciting to see. I've, I've said, I think we have our second unit on this team. The problem is we don't have the starting unit. You know, we don't have the first, the first five, but we have a really good group on the side. You know, Rodney Magruder, who hasn't even been playing, comes out and plays really well in these two games. Magruder had 13 points off the bench. And he's another one of those guys all of a sudden, like, 
you know, what, what are we going to do with him? Do we have him? Is he a long-term answer as a wing off the bench? Do we flip him for assets? And so there's a lot of nice little interesting pieces. Yeah, you just take it game by game. McGruder, he he has been earning his minutes uh, and he has been playing great. Hopefully he can continue this and, you know, not just give us something on the floor, but like you said, maybe we can get something more than that in the future. Uh, yeah. But it's really nice to see him play like this. Yeah, and that's what I saw somebody tweet as, as we were getting ready to record this. They said somebody wrote an article like, do the Pistons have too many good guards? And I'm like, no, whenever you're in the Detroit Pistons situation, you can't have too many good of anything. If we end up with too many good guards, we'll trade one, get a second round pick, late first round pick, whatever. Right now, the more talented players you can have, the more guys you can have that show that they're quality NBA players, the better, whether it's for the future of our team or the future of another team. So I think guys like Magruder, um, guys like Saban Lee, even Dennis Smith Jr. I don't know what's going to happen with Dennis Smith Jr., but those guys playing well only helps our organization, whether it's with us or assets they bring back to us long term. Absolutely. Well, at the beginning of the season, we had too many centers. Now we have too many guards. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just how it is. We we will get. It's a rebuilding process and we will yep. get down to, to to the players and the rotations and the lineup we we will like it'll just take a little bit more time that's you know it. and before we move on to the, the big news with Blake Griffin I want to talk a little bit about Dwayne Casey because in my notes here for this game I put the game was ugly but like always we continued to fight and we made it interesting in the fourth quarter and and I don't know I don't know that we've been able to get your take on this Alex but I feel like Dwayne Casey deserves some credit for that like some of that is the type of players you have. Maybe it's the type of players Troy Weaver's brought in. But don't you think some of that comes from the coaching? Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, the, the coach has to manage. I mean, he has to figure out the rotations and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But mostly in the NBA, you know, he has to motivate the guys and like, and, and like get them, especially the Knicks, the Pistons, where, you know, you've been losing a lot. It's hard to keep them motivated, especially, yes. you know, have them compete in games and take them in the fourth quarter and maybe win a game. You know, that's that's tough. And that just shows how good he is with his young core, get them to compete day in and day out. That's that's really good. And he's also a good coach. I feel like he's he's also a good coach. It took some while a while to figure out the minutes and the roster, you know, how to how to put everybody in. But now with Griffin out I think he's going to get the team he wants. And that's a good point. And, you know, think about all the guys we've mentioned just in this, you know, we've been on air for or been recording for, you know, just a little under 20 minutes so far. And we've talked about all these guys. It can't be easy for him to make all those decisions. So I think we should cut him a little bit of slack. I think we use our bench. We play a, a deeper rotation than most NBA teams. You watch most NBA teams on a given night, the good teams, they're only going to go eight deep, you know, and we're going 10, 11 deep a lot of nights. So I think some of that, some of that, you know, hate towards Dwayne Casey was a little overblown. And I think there's a better chance he's with this team long term than we thought. Um, he, he seems to have a good relationship with these young guys and has them playing well. Um, but speaking of the, the Pistons long-term, let's, let's move to the 313, all things Detroit Pistons. And the big news, somebody that's not going to be with the Pistons long-term is Blake Griffin. He was bought out. Um, he gave back $13 million 
which means his cap hit for the rest of this year stays as is. And instead of a, he, he had a player option for next year, which would have been 39 million. You assume, he's definitely taking that if he stays on the Pistons. And instead of that, if he, however this all worked out, there's still going to be a $30 million dead cap hit um, next year for the Pistons. Um, just your initial reaction to this news, Alex. Um, yeah, it was not expected. I, w- I was hoping we can get a trade in for him, but you know, it was tough. Um, the other thing is, you know, him being bought out, I think is the right move for the Pistons. Uh, and I just hope we can get over it, you know, as soon as possible. Like we don't need to drag out this thing is it's just, you know, we, we thank you, Blake Griffin, for everything you did for us, but now it's time to move on. And, you know, I just hope we can get done with it with a contract, with everything, uh, and just get ready for the next step. Yeah. And so that's a, that's a great point that whenever this initially came out, the biggest questions on Twitter was, are they going to stretch his contract? Which meant for the next, they could have taken that $30 million cap hit and spread it over three years. So next year it would have been 10 and then the following two years, 10 million. But it sounds like they're just going to take the $30 million hit next year be done with it, get over with it, and then we don't have to worry about it. And me personally, I'm like you. I, I think that's the way to go. Um, does it suck to have $30 million accounting against the cap for a player that's not even on our team next year? It does. But I think it's better to – I like our roster coming back next year. We're going to add a, a high draft pick. So I would rather it just let's get it over with in one year. Let's eat it. It is what it is, like you said, and let's move on. Exactly. In a couple of years, you have all this free cap space where you can sign other players, bring in, and you know, suddenly you have a team competing for a playoff spot. Yes, that, I, feel, I feel like exactly. that's great. Um, so, the, so the big question now with Blake Griffin is where does he end up? So, um, you know, I, I the the team that's been thrown around the most is the Nets. I didn't like to hear your take, you know, if you think that would be a fit for him. You know, the Lakers, the Warriors have been thrown around, the Miami Heat. You know, just looking at rosters, looking at what we've seen from Blake Griffin this year, what, what, where do you think a good fit for him would be? Well, I, I've been hearing about the Nets too. Um, for him, I don't know. I, I really don't know what's going to be a good fit for him. Obviously, somebody... Uh, that has, uh, you know, is competing for the championship might really benefit off of him. Or also a team that, uh, you know, like Warriors are looking to make a run in the playoffs because he has been shooting a lot of threes lately. So he can maybe fit really <laughs> well in that system. <laughs> you know, that's a good point. Um, that's a good point, Alex. Yeah. But I, I really don't know. What, what, what do you think? Where, where do you think he's going to end up? And I, what's the best? Yeah. So, so to me, I think. It's it's unfair to ask where I think he's going to end up because it sounds all reports are pointing to him going to the Nets. And if yeah. so, again for our listeners, we record this on Sunday afternoon Central Time. Um, Alex is about midnight where he's at, but so I think he's eligible to sign with the team here in the next couple hours. So mm-hmm. we may, you know, by the time this actually, you know, we we get it out and to everybody and you listen to it, there may already he may already be where he's going. But all all betting odds say the Nets. And I think that makes sense. I think he'll go there on a, you know, a, a deal that keeps him there the rest of this year. And then I think he'll try to make a move for a, you know, a longer term deal, you know, two years, three years with somebody else. 
I don't think the Warriors make sense this year because of Clay Thompson not being there. And I don't think they're a top. I think he's going to, it sounds bad when people say ring chase. I don't mean it to sound bad, but I think he's going to ring chase. And to me, if you're a team, I, I a player too. that's going to, yeah, do you, do you blame him? No, I don't. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's getting there, you know, he's, He's of age. <laughs> you know what I'm yes. saying? Like he's old and he needs to get a ring or he's maybe dreaming of a ring. And if he wants one, I think, you know, the Nets is his best bet. And, but also, you know, I'm thinking about the Nets. Uh, how is Griffin going to help them? Um, because who's, who's on the fourth position uh, for Nets? So Green, right? Um, well, Harris, Bruce, Bruce Brown actually plays Bruce the four Brown. for him a lot. Yeah, uh, the the yeah. former Piston um, has been playing the four, has been starting at the four. Um, if you look at the line, I think he's coming off the bench for them. I think he's coming off Is the that, bench no matter where he co- goes. Okay, so do you think he's going to be okay with that? As in, he's going to accept that? He's going to he's going to be comfortable with it? I think. That Blake Griffin knows where he's at in his career at this point. And so, yes, I do. At least for this year. Yeah. I think if it's uh, – that's and that's I, – I, I think it's the Nets or the Lakers. I think it's the mm-hmm. Nets or the Lakers. And I think he knows what his role is going to be when he does that. If he goes to the Warriors, I think that would be very telling, Alex. Because if he goes to the Warriors or like the Heat or somebody like that that's not right at the top of their conference right now – I think it tells us that he thinks there's more left in the tank and he does want a bigger role. Because I think in those places, he would have to have a bigger role for them to compete for a championship. He'd have to be more like the Blake we did not see early in the year. But if he goes to the Nets or the Lakers, I think it's about winning a championship. What I thought was interesting with the Nets is people talking about him playing the five. And I Mm. I don't know. I have brought that up, but but word was he didn't want to play the five. That's a weird position for him. I feel like it, uh, especially with the Nets. You know, you have DeAndre Jordan there, who's you know he's doing a great job, and he's not yeah. that big of a rim protector. Uh, yes, that's and, a great point. And, and you know, playing at a five—that's a really small ball for for the Nets. Um, and but they can space the floor as well, and that means more driving lanes for Harden, Kyrie, or Durant. Um, yeah, that can be a possibility, but. I don't know. Yeah, like you said, I don't know if he wants to play that. Yeah. So, so my prediction is he goes to the Nets this year. I don't know whether he wins a ring yet or with them. I mean, they look really good right now. Again, we can. I'm going to bring them up a little bit when we get around the NBA. And then I think he'll go to the Golden State Warriors after this year. I think he'll go to the Warriors and sign like a two year deal or something like that. That's that's my prediction. Um, okay. With, with all my other predictions, Alex, I'm sure it's going to be wrong. So he's going to end up with the I, Lakers I this year. <laughs> I was just about to say that. Based on your prediction so far, he's this is not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. All right. So speaking of predictions, let's get back to our Pistons. I know Blake Griffin used to be a Piston, but we are in the three-one-three. So, what do you think the timeline for this team is? Um, not to win a championship. I think that's you know that's a, that's a ways out. That's a really tough. When do you think this team? Is hitting the, is making the playoffs is you know like what we're talking about with the Knicks, Alex. You know a, a team that that's going to scare an opponent if they have to make them in the first meet them in the first round. Maybe they can win a first round game, you know, and and compete in a conference semifinals. Because I think a lot of Piston fans think we're pretty far away from that, at least further away from it than I personally do. But I want to hear what your take is. Yeah, I, I heard that too. They think Pistons are really bad, and it's going to take. 
I don't know how many years they think it's going to take, but five. I don't think I feel like fa- most think it's five years away before we make the playoffs. I don't think we're that far off. Now we got rid of Griffin, and you know, if we finish with his contract as well, uh, I think it's going to be sooner than we expected. Maybe three years. Okay. Possibly, possibly four. I looked at I look at the Knicks, who are a great example. They were bottom of the league the last couple of years, and now look where they at, right? So I feel like we can do the same thing. We just need you know a couple more pieces in there. We need our young core to grow and gain more experience, and then we, we're there. And I yeah, think I- like a couple of years, three top four years, we we will be up there. Okay, so that's what. I I still think my timeline's a little faster. Maybe I'm just an optimist. And usually I'm not. Usually I'm the pessimist, you know, the negative one. I, I don't I think next year we have an outside chance of making the playoffs in terms of like if they do the play in games, you know, right now seven, eight, nine, ten. So if if you finish tenth in the conference, you get a chance to play into the playoffs. I think mm-hmm. there's an outside chance we could finish in that spot. You know, even with Blake Griffin, the contract on the books. We return most of these guys on the roster. Wayne Ellington's a free agent. Dennis Smith Jr.'s a restricted free agent. Svee's a free agent. But you also have a 2021 draft pick coming back, you know, or, yeah. or you know, to, to make. So hopefully a, an impact rookie is going to join Jeremy Grant, Plumley, Killian Hayes returns, Josh mm-hmm. Jackson, Stewart. But, you know, so you, we all know the guys. So I like that roster coming back. I think that roster could sneak into the very, very bottom of the playoffs. But then that next year, Alex, all those guys are another year older, probably going to add another lottery pick or close to it. And we have money in free agency that year, whether it's re-sign Josh Jackson or go get a free agent or both. I think two years from now, we are in the playoffs and we're, we're making some noise by at least scaring somebody in the first round. Yeah, you. I think you're not far off. I think that's that's a realistic goal. That's re- that's really a realistic goal. That's the end of the contract for Grant. And maybe yes. if we make the playoffs, you know, we can show we have potential. Resign Grant, and then maybe bring another player in to help Grant. You know, another star or something like that. Killing Hayes, uh, our young core. You know, they, they are definitely going to have a lot of experience by then. Hopefully, everybody's going to stay healthy. Um, and yeah, I, I, I see that possible as well. That's plausible. And, 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 and that's what uh, you brought up the young core. Th- this is me assuming guys like Stewart, Bay, Sabin Lee, and obviously Killing Hayes are going to continue to improve on their game. You know, the, that's not assuming they're just going to, who they are right now is who they're going to be. This is Sadiq Bay turns into a 15 point a game guy two years from now. Isaiah Stewart is able to add a, a three-point shot to his game, you know, or you yeah. know, a little bit more finesse to his game. And Killian Hayes obviously has to be way better than what we saw before he got injured. So yeah. there's some there's some projecting here in terms of guys' improvement. But I, I again maybe I'm just an optimist, but I really like that. Um, I think it's going to be fascinating to see if we can sign, you know, that year Josh Jackson will have had to have been extended or re-signed. I'm, I'm excited to see whether we can keep him in Detroit long-term. And then you brought up Jeremy Grant. You know, people want to trade Jeremy Grant like every day on Twitter. It's crazy. And I'm like, why? Like, he's not no. that. He, he, but that's where this question came from, Alex, is everybody says he doesn't fit our timeline to compete. They think he's already too old. I'm like, that means you think we're six, seven years away. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, he's not too old. He's definitely not too old. He, yeah. I mean, he, he's doing a great job right, right now. He's going to do a great job in a couple of years too. Um, and I like Troy Weaver. I think he's doing a great job and his mentality as well. You know, what did he say? Like empty your clip. Empty or something the clip. Like yep. Yep. Empty the clip. He's going to do that. If he sees a chance for us to go to the playoffs or even further, or yes, and, and he can make point. a move, he's going to do it. That's and a great he's going to surprise point. all of us. And there you go. That's a great point, Alex, because when he gets that Blake Griffin contract off the books, there's a lot of, whether it's a free agent, whether it's a trade, whatever it is, whenever that, when that contract's off the book, there, there's a lot of, it opens up a lot of doors, a lot of possibilities. And you're right. Exactly. Like, in Troy Weaver, I trust. I, I know that. <laughs> like, I love this guy. <laughs> that, yeah. You know, and that's what the joke now is he emptied the clip and now he's reloading. And I believe that. I, 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 it's exciting when you have, it's, it's funny. It's exciting when you have a general manager like this that you really trust in and believe in that they're going to make the right decisions. So, exactly. um, yep. you know, you brought up Jeremy Grant. I think he's surprised a lot of people. He exceeded my expectations and he's continuing to surprise people around the, the NBA. And so let's talk, let's go around the NBA and talk about some other surprises. And I want to start off with the most surprising team. So in this one, it's in a positive way. Like who surprised you in a positive way? Who's better than what you thought they were going to be when the, before the year started? Yeah, well, I said this couple couple of episodes ago, and I'm gonna stick with them. It's the Knicks. Yeah, we we talked a lot about them this episode too. Um, you know, like we like I said, they were really bad a couple years ago, and just making this jump, I did not expect them. I did not see they had this potential. Um, you know, and Julius Randle, I did not expect him to play this good either. Yeah, uh, but yep. you know, having a great year from a guy like that, and then you know the team. Uh, just buying in on what they're building and what they're doing is just exciting to see. And, you know, congrats to all of them. I hope they, yeah. they make a great run in the playoffs as well. And then, you know, it's, and then come back next year and go even further because that, you have to prove that it's not just, you know, an accident. Absolutely. That's, that's a really good point. And I, I do think they're going to scare people. I said it earlier in the episode, I think they're a team that, that, other whoever they match up with in the first round isn't going to be excited about that matchup and and you're right we we should get some hopefully we get some Knicks listeners because we have talked about the uh, the Knicks a lot this episode so sorry Pistons fans it just worked out <laughs> that way with you know we played them twice and and I think it's because yeah. they've been so impressive and surprising um, and we're not done with them either because when we get to surprising players I'm gonna hint at what mine might be there but my most surprising team is the Phoenix Suns you know they they ended the bubble last year really, really well. They started off this regular season kind of right around 500. And right now they're setting number two in the West. You know, they added Chris Paul to Booker and uh, DeAndre Ayton, some of those young guys. And I, and I just think they look really, really good. I don't know if, if they're ready to, to win a championship right now, but I give them a lot of credit. I, I obviously didn't have them in my top three or four pre, you know, before the season. So for them to be set in number two is really impressive. And just a couple honorable mentions for me, the Utah Jazz obviously have been incredible this year, Alex. And yeah. then the Brook, the Brooklyn Nets, man, like I put the Nets in there because this whole thing has worked better than I ever thought. We talked a lot about James Harden on the last episode, but this combination of players and Steve Nash and 
looking like they can't don't have anybody to play defense. They've won nine of their last ten games, Alex. So um, they've surprised me as well. Exactly, exactly. And the other thing, or the other team that might be surprising as well is the 76ers. Yes, they are yes. having a. I mean, they're they're top of the Eastern Conference, uh, and last year they were what sixth, I believe. Um, yep. And they made a huge jump too. Obviously, Embiid is playing amazing. MVP huge caliber. Jump. Yes. Um, yeah, but you know the Suns are playing great. The, the reason why, and I, you know, I was hoping they were going to do this. The reason why they were, the Suns were not a surprising team for me was because the way they played in the bubble. Uh, yeah. You know, I was like, okay, they, they can really make some noise, and so they, they still did that, and you know. They're, they're playing great too. That's not a team I want to play against in the playoffs either. <laughs> no, it is not. No, it is not. Um, so let's flip it now. Okay. The most disappointing team. What, what team did you have higher expectations for? And they just didn't live up to it in the first half of the season. Man, the maps. I really <laughs> expected, maybe not expected, you and me but both, I really brother. wanted. You and me both. I, I really wanted the maps to play well and. You know, have a great season. I love Luca, uh, and I thought the matchup or the the combo of Luca and Porzingis was going to be insane. Uh, you know, because Porzingis got injured last year, so he did not get to play that much. Um, but I really hope the Ma- the Mavs are going to have a great season. You know, blow everybody up and just be that surprising team too to be in the top four maybe uh, in in the conference. But that that did not happen so far. Uh, it's not a, it's not gonna happen. You know, they, they, they're playing pretty well. They won eight of the last 10 games. So they seem that they're kind of turning around. Um, but I was really hoping they would play a lot better. I'm with you. I'm with you. And you know, you, you think about that. They've won eight out of 10. So they were 10 and 14 at one point. So, you know, if we do this episode a couple of weeks ago, we're, we're talking even worse. And so maybe, exactly. you know, Przingis, maybe Przingis and Luca are getting some chemistry now and, and maybe we'll see them, you know, come out of the all-star break and just really put, you know, put something together. But they were in my honorable mentions as well. I had them as a top three team. I had Luca as my preseason MVP and it just hasn't come together for them. Uh, another honorable mention for me is the Pelicans. I just, you know, you look at the Pelicans roster and you think there should be more. Zion and Brandon Ingram are incredible, man. And it just doesn't seem like they can put it together. But, but my team is the Atlanta Hawks. And this is kind of selfish to me. I answered this question on Persona, um, which is a cool little app. If you guys haven't tried it out, you should look into Persona and you answer sports questions and can, you know, with audio and all that. But, you know, the, the Hawks just, I like that roster. I like their offseason. They have dealt with some injuries and I just thought they were going to be a top four team in the East, Alex. And, and yeah. they're, they're not even close. They're not even in the playoffs in the East. In the East, yeah. they're not even in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, they struggle. They struggle a lot. And that was, that was actually, I was thinking about them too. And I don't know why the Mavs popped in my head. I'm like, Oh no, the Mavs, you know, they, they are the team. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. The Atlanta, they, they were supposed to be a lot better too. Trey Young, Trey Young, yeah. uh, you know, he's, he's been playing great. It's not that fun to watch maybe, but he's been playing <laughs> great. Um, but they're not winning and that's, that's a problem and they have to figure yeah. out, you know, what, what, what's there to do. 
Yeah, and that's I think maybe there's some chemistry issues there. You know, John Collins turned down that contract extension, and maybe they're just maybe they're not getting along. Um, all right, yeah. so let's uh, let's get away from the team and let's go straight to just individual players. So the most surprising player, and I think I saw your answer on this, and I'm kind of excited to hear you talk about it. <laughs> yeah, my answer was Lamelo Ball. Yeah, that's a great uh, answer. Yep. Yeah, he, you know, he. There was this talk about, you know, who's going to be better, Lamelo Ball or Lanza Ball. Um, it's not even close uh, now. Yeah. So, you know, obviously we know about uh, Lanza Ball, but I had no idea how Lamelo Ball is going to transition to the NBA. But, you know, he came off the bench. He's been doing great stuff. And then suddenly he's starting and just killing, having triple doubles and everything. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh, this play is actually great. And not just great. He's having fun out there, throwing these sick passes and playing – you know, so relaxed, like he belonged there or he has been in the NBA for I don't know how many years. And just and, and he's picking up the the team and getting some wins in here and there. Even Jordan said like he's playing we did not expect him to play this well, you know, he's playing above our expectations. And, you know, that's that's my most surprising player. Yeah, I think that's a great call. You know, they're number seven in the East right now, um, one game below five hundred and you know, this question, you know, to, to talk a little Pistons, uh, you know, Pistons Twitter loves to bring up the topic of should we have traded the number seven pick 16 and 18? So all three of those first round picks to trade up and draft Lamelo, And and I don't know that I would, but I understand the question because he looks like a superstar right now in his rookie year. And yeah. it just it doesn't look like anything phases him. Confidence. We've talked about that on the show a lot is a huge factor in being successful at the level you're playing at, the level Vlad's playing at, and then obviously in the NBA. Um, my most surprising player, you know, just to talk some more about the Knicks this episode, is is Julius Randle. You know, Alex, he we, we've talked about him enough, so I don't need to go into a whole lot more, but I didn't see this from him. He's always had the talent, but now he's transitioned it into winning and doing all the things. And man, those two games I saw of him this week whenever they played the Pistons, he was really impressive. And he's almost impossible to guard with the, the his skill set. Being a lefty, you know, that gives guys an advantage. Um, and so he, he's just been impressive. He's been my most surprising player. And I do want to plug Joel Embiid just a little bit because I think he's kind of made that same step of he's been really good, but now he's being really good while his team wins. Yeah, exactly. You know, one thing about Randall, he seemed like he matured uh, in his That's game. That's great, yes. As, and as a person, uh, he took that leader role and he's leading the Knicks to, to a great season. Um, and yeah, you know, we expected uh, MB to have a great season too. He had injuries here and there, load management and whatnot. But now he's, you know, in the MVP talk. And he, he's deserving a mention. He's, he deserves a mention here, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so our, our last one before we talk a little All-Star Weekend, we're going to flip it to disappointing players. So who's your most disappointing player so far through the first half of the season? Griffin. <laughs> okay, so for our – and I'll, I'll let you go, Alex. I'll let you do it. But for our listeners, we don't we didn't look. Neither of us looked. Neither of us, we didn't cheat off each other. Uh, we, we answered these I, questions separately, so... Don't tell me you have the same answer. A same answer. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I have a second one, though. So, you talk about Blake Griffin, and then, then I'll talk about my honorable mention. Okay. Well, there's not much to talk. We, <laughs> you know, we know what Blake Griffin did, or 
did not do for our team. He didn't team. dunk. That's what he didn't do. He did not dunk. He kept shooting threes. Uh, we expected a lot more from him. Obviously, he came off injuries. He did not play for a long time. Uh, maybe because his contract was so big, we expected him to earn his yeah. money. It did not happen. Um, we I expected a lot more from him just from, you know, as a player, also as a leader. Uh, it did not happen. And, you know, that's that's my pick. Yeah, and and so for for our listeners, understand this is disappointing in terms of expectation. And I think at least on this show for us, and maybe we were crazy, we thought we were going to see a really good Blake Griffin. We didn't think he, you know, the injuries had taken quite the toll that the years and the you know all that had taken quite the toll. And I we know that he's done a lot for Detroit. He's put his body on the line in the playoffs against the Bucks a couple yeah. years ago. He's been an All NBA player. We get all of that. Okay, but that doesn't you have to get rid of some of that emotion and understand that, you know, that we were still paying him like a, you know, all star, you know, he's a top five paid player in the NBA, you know, top 10. And so, you know, maybe we didn't expect him to be a top 10 player, but I I think we expected more and whether, you know, I, I don't think it was Blake's fault. But, it, you know, it just obviously wasn't there. So yeah. um, my most disappointing player, and this is a definitely of no fault of his own, but it was Clay Thompson because he got hurt. Mm-hmm. And that just was very disappointing to me, you know, after he got hurt um, in the playoffs. And then it looked like he was going to get back. And I was excited to see that Warriors team without KD, nothing against KD, but just to see how Steph would look. And he's looked amazing this year. And I think we would have saw a really good Clay Thompson. So that's just been disappointing to me in the terms of we miss out on another year of Clay Thompson in his prime. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Uh, I feel like if Thompson was in there, uh, Warriors would have been another top team in, yes. in the West because they're already playing great, you know. Um, and it, it's just bad for the NBA. He's not he's not playing. That's a and great, yeah, it, it is. Yeah. And that yeah. team would be very dangerous. I don't know that, that you, I, you may, you may put him up there with anybody else if Clay Thompson's on that roster. As good as James Wiseman has been and Ubre and, you know, Wiggins has been consistent. You know, maybe mm-hmm. again, maybe not a guy that has been the superstar people wanted, but has been consistent. And Kelly Ubre has probably been inconsistent, but it's still a good player. That, that, that's, that would have been a nice little roster. So, exactly. um, so that's yeah. our, Oh, that's our halfway surprise and disappointments. Let's go through the, the NBA All-Star Weekend just a, a little bit here, Alex, before we look at the week ahead for the Pistons. And let's just talk about maybe let's make some predictions, which I know we don't like to do a lot, but we'll talk mm-hmm. about the skills competition, the three-point, and the dunk contest. We are doing these before, all right? Th- this episode won't come out until after this has all taken place, but that stuff doesn't start for three hours from where we're recording it right now. You can trust us on that. So um, <laughs> you can definitely trust us because I'm sure mine will be wrong. So uh, <laughs> skills competition, Robert Covington, Doncic, Doncic, Chris Paul, Julius Randle, Sabonis, and Vooch. Who you got? I got to go with my guy, the big fella from Indiana, <laughs> Sabonis. Yeah. I got to go with the centers, man. <laughs> yeah, th- th- that'll be fun. It- it's fun to see those big guys do this, and it would be cool to, to-, to see him win. Um, I think it would be, I think the most fun answer is Vooch, right? I mean, because he's, yeah. I mean, he- he's even, well, he's thicker than Sabonis, but he's, you know, Sabonis is probably as tall. Um, Sabonis is a skilled big man. We- we've given him some love the last couple of weeks as well. I'm going to go with Doncic just because I picked yeah. him to be the MVP and I need him to win something. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, that's that's a good choice. 
So I'm going to go with Luka Doncic on that. Uh, Three-point competition. You got Jalen Brown, Mike Conley, Steph Curry, Zach Levine, Stop Donovan there. Mitchell. and <laughs> I don't need to go any further. <laughs> no, Jason no, Tatum. You, you, Jason Tatum's the last one. You said Curry. That's enough. That's enough. That's all. Steph, I don't – so you're all in on Steph Curry? See, if Booker was there, I would have not been okay. all, in, all, all in on Curry. But Booker is not going to be there, so – I, I gotta pick Steph. Yeah, he's yep. the best shooter in the NBA ever. So you 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 cannot or should not go against him. I, I agree. I, I also highlighted Steph Curry as my answer. Like you said, he's the best shooter in NBA history. Anybody who wants to argue that, just whatever. Um, he, he <laughs> makes shots. He makes tough shots. He shoots them from deep. I, I just I think it's hard to argue against that. Like, can you? I mean, seriously, like I, I know Steph Curry is one of my favorite players outside of Detroit, but I just don't see how you can make the argument against it. It's not like he's shooting catch and shoot threes only. It's not like he's shooting just wide open shots. They're from deep. They're off the dribble. They're off screen and roll. They are catch and well, shoot. Like he does it in every way. That too. And just not too long ago, he made a hundred and <laughs> I don't know how many threes in a row. In a yeah. row, people don't make – I don't make that many free throws in a row. I think the <laughs> most I made was like 70 or 80 or something like that. But 109 threes or whatever in a row, that's insane. Yeah. That's and, insane. Yeah. And, and and he shoots good from the free throw line. He shoots it well from everywhere. So, yeah. I hope he wins because if he doesn't, it's just going to be a way for people to like take shots at him like for some reason not being the best shooter because he doesn't win this competition. Somehow they're going to be able to justify it. So for that sake alone, <laughs> I kind of hope he wins. Yeah. And then uh, the dunk contest. So we have Anthony Simons, Cassius Stanley, and Obi Toppin. So so I think the, the participants are a little bit limited for the people that don't know. Again, this will be come out after. So I guess this is going to kind of be pointless, but this is happening at halftime of the all-star game, which will be interesting in itself. Um, so who do you have in this, in the dunk contest? Uh, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I did not know much about the participants. Same. Um, I'm not going to. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I looked at the names. I'm like, who? <laughs> yep. Yep. You know, uh, we got used to, you know, uh, uh, Gordon and, you know, Levine playing. Dwight Howard. And... Dwight Howard and stuff like that. Yeah. But I did not know. So I looked at some highlights and some news and all I saw that what, what popped out to me, you know, Stanley, uh, he has, I think, a higher word than Zion Williamson. He had a 44-inch vert uh, in, in the combine or something like that. And I think, you know, with that vert, you can do a lot of stuff. And he's also 6'5". And, you know, I feel like he's going to do some crazy stuff. Um, and he's my pick for to win the dunk contest. Yeah, you, you, you bring up a good point here. I looked at these names. Obi Toppin is the name I'm most familiar with. Um, you know, he just came out of the draft this year. Some Pistons fans wanted him. He ended up in New York. Had a great college career at Dayton. Um, they got cut short last year. I know the name Anthony Simons. I can honestly say I've never really watched him play much. And I only mm-hmm. know Cassius Stanley because he's from Duke and I hate Duke. And so <laughs> because because usually the teams you hate, you kind of follow just to know. Um, yeah. I'm going to pick Anthony Simons just because I think he's the name that people know the least. And he's the okay. biggest underdog. I'm not that excited about it, to be honest with you, Alex. I'm excited for the skills and the three-point. I'm excited to watch the game. But, I mean, I guess this is better than a halftime, some other halftime show or just listening to commentary. 
But I think there, I think this could, has a chance to not be great because of what you said at the beginning where the, the names just aren't there. And when the names aren't there, it's just, I think it takes this excitement away from the dunk contest. Yeah. And the other thing, uh, you know, after my game uh, last night, I had an interview and people asked me about the fans. The fans not being in the oh, arena. That's going to be you know, tough. Yeah. You, you know, what's fun about dunk contest, obviously you want to see the dunks, but you also watch the people's reaction. And I feel like that's, you know, not having the people or, or whatever to react to these amazing dunks is going to take the fun out of it. Absolutely. Um, and it's it's a different ball game when the fans are in there. And, you know, for that reason alone, it can be, you know, eh, maybe not as exciting. I, I agree. I, I, that's a great point. I believe it or not, um, if anybody that knows me is listening to this, I was in a couple of dunk contests in high school, coming out of high school, you know, just area, you know, small ones. And that was the best part. You you wanted to show out, like it was your chance to show off, right? Like for the fans, for, yeah. you know, people and the noise and the crowd and the excitement and all that's kind of what got you going and honestly allowed you to maybe jump a little higher and do, you know, complete some dunks you may not have during warmups or, you know, when you're testing stuff out. And so yeah. it, it's going to be very interesting. I think the other things will go okay. I think the skills and the three point will be fine. I think the game will be fine. I hope we see them compete a little bit that, you know, the first part of the game, the first three quarters, it's just going to be a little bit of whatever, but I hope we see the, them go after each other a little bit in the fourth. That's always kind of fun to watch. Yeah. Um, but, but this, the dunk contest will, will, will be interesting to see. So, well, that, that'll get us through all-star weekend. And uh, before we let you go, we just want to take a little bit of a look ahead at the upcoming games. Obviously we're off. Um, for the next few days, but we do have two games before we record next weekend. We play the Charlotte Hornets on Thursday and the Brooklyn Nets on Saturday. So just looking at those two teams, Alex, you know, Charlotte, we talked a little bit about with LaMelo Ball. We've talked a little bit about the Brooklyn Nets. Anything that kind of stands out to you between those two teams? Uh, I mean, we know about Brooklyn, how good they are. Um, it's going to be really tough to win against them. But we had... You know, that's what we said about other games in the season against top teams like the Lakers or I don't know who else we won against. And, you know, it seems like we play good against good teams and bad against bad teams. Uh, so we might have a surprise there. But um, my prediction might be we're, we're going to go 2-0 or 0-2, sorry, the next two <laughs> games. So I don't think we're going to win. <laughs> no, not 2-0. That would be amazing, but I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, so, so I yeah. At this point, more than making predictions about whether we're going to win or not, I'd, I I kind of like to just look at, you know, what we, and we've talked a lot about the Nets. Um, but I think for the, the Hornets, I think it'll be fun to watch them. You know, I, I think I'm excited for that game. Between the two games, I'm excited for that game. Coming out of yeah. All-Star break, seeing what our guys look like. Um, I've always been a fan of Gordon Hayward since he was at Butler. So he's having a, a solid year. And then LaMelo Ball. Devonte Graham, who's a KU guy, excited to watch him play. So sometimes I look at these these games that we have coming up and just see who's on the other team, some of the some of the people on the roster, and and just see you know diff, different guys will get a chance to watch. So I, I think yeah. those that I think the Hornets I'm a little more excited to watch than the Nets, just yeah, for that yeah, reason. For sure, exactly. Yeah, I agree with you. So. Well, thank you guys for listening. Um, uh, hopefully, we'll have Vlad back next week. We want to wish him luck 
on his Euro Cup championship game coming up here in a couple days. It was great to have Alex back with us this week after a couple weeks off playing with the Romanian national team. And uh, before I close it out here and give our uh, social media stuff, I I skipped over around the NBA. Uh, Who do you have team Durant or team LeBron in the, in the all-star game? What's your, what who who you have winning that? Oh, team LeBron. (laughs) It's not easy discussion. Yeah. They're packed. They're stacked. They're whatever you want to say. (laughs) It's insane. The team he can put together. He, or he just put together. He, he's had a lot more practice being a GM because I feel like he's already doing that for whatever team he's on. So he has a lot better, he has a lot more practice than KD doing that. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you to all of our listeners, guys. Um, Dash Radio, thank you to the Hoop Heads and everybody else, all of our listeners, you know, interact with us. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, hit us up, uh, you know, Motor City Hoops. Facebook Motor City Hoops, Instagram Motor City Hoops Pod. Send us an email to Motor City Hoops Pod. Continue to listen. And, and again, we, we want your feedback. We want to know what you like, what you don't like, what we can do better. Send us questions or topics that we can talk about on the episodes in the future. And again, just thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. We just love talking Pistons and NBA and basketball in general. So we hope you enjoy listening to us. Thank you for listening to the Motor City Hoops podcast. Catch you on the next one.